Once upon a time, in a land far away. I'm Katrina, and I'm Jeff, and welcome to the Fairy Tellers Podcast. Myth, legend, folklore, fable. We explore what they say about cultures then and now. Grab a hot cup of cocoa and a comfy seat while we retell you a thing. Welcome back to the podcast. So happy and excited to have you with us yet again. Episode 98. We're getting close. Ever closer to our 100th episode, which will be a special Cinderella episode, which should be exciting because we normally do that around the anniversary of our podcast, which has come and gone, but we feel like 100 episodes is a perfectly good reason to delay our Cinderella episode. Absolutely. I don't have anything like exciting. We haven't gotten any more reviews. Yeah, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel right to launch straight into the episode, but you know what? I think we should keep them on their toes. All of those people that skip, you know, the first 6 minutes of our podcast are going to go in and be like, "Wait, why am I so confused? What did I miss?" and they'll be like, "What? what? They started talking about the subject of the episode in the <laughs> second minute?" So today is going to be a really fun and I think just like chill episode. What is incredible about being this close to 100 episodes is that by this point we all have seen so many examples of different story types and like tale elements and all this stuff that it is almost impossible not to read one story and think of another or be like hey didn't this happen in such and such a tale and this episode is just going to be Moments like that, I think, for anybody who's been listening to the podcast for a long time. And if you haven't been listening to the podcast for a long time, still going to be just some fun stories. Today, we're going to be retelling some stories on a topic that we picked out during our Winter Divinations Live all the way back last December. So in other words, today we are fulfilling the prophecy as foretold. By, I can't remember which method we used to get Baba Yaga. I'm pretty sure. Oh, it was the apple. It was, it, no, it was the apple seeds that oh. I had stuck on my face. That we thought would come off like immediately and they stayed on forever. Yeah, they stayed on for like the entire hour. And then yeah. finally there were, two, right. there were two of them. And I think I finally was just like, oh, we're going to keep both of these. Which... I'm currently wondering if that is going to end up being true because, I mean, I might have to go back and re-listen, but I think that the two that stayed on my face were Baba Yaga and the Frog Prince. And I'm currently looking into the Frog Prince, trying to figure out if I want to turn that into, like, another series just because, again, Mm -hmm. it's one of those tale types that, like, there's there's a a lot of. But today, we are going to be working on Baba Yaga. So... We've seen Baba Yaga in the past in other episodes for, I think, like two and a half years. We kept like vaguely mentioning her as like, you know, one of the witches in the woods Mm -hmm. that pops up in stories. But we didn't really get into any tales about her, except that when we were doing our Beauty and the Beast series, we were talking about animal brides versus animal grooms. 
In the Animal Brides episode, Jeffrey told the Frog Princess, which did not take place in Louisiana. (laughs) We should have retold that story today, and then we could have killed two birds with one stone, two apple seeds with one tail. Yeah, it would have like Frog Princess and Baba Yaga. (laughs) But alas, we had already used it. Uh, So yeah, everybody, just go back and listen to that episode. Promise fulfilled. (laughs) Uh, No, so Baba Yaga showed up in that story, but it was kind of of note that she showed up in the story as kind of a helpful figure for the male protagonist in the tale, which, Mm -hmm. you know, seemed odd and out of place. So fast forward, then we did another episode. I think the episode was titled Vasilisa the Beautiful. I'll have to go back and double check. But that was Baba Yaga and Vasilisa the Beautiful. And in that story, we see Baba Yaga in more of the capacity that we remember her, which is... Like an evil old lady in the woods who's, you know, kind of very pagan, maybe a little demonic, maybe very cannibal. Yeah, probably going to eat you. Yeah. Probably. So Maybe not, but probably. Yeah, of course. In that episode, I had mentioned that, you know, you see examples when you're looking through tales about... The Baba Yaga, you see tales where she is helpful and tales where she is a cannibal witch. And what's interesting is that usually she's helpful to men and a cannibal witch to women slash little girls. <laughs> and one of the reasons why it's believed that that, that happens in the story is because as European tales from the West were moving East and integrating with characters that already existed in Slavic countries. Mm -hmm. When they needed to change that European story so that it fit with the characters that they already had, they would pull out a good witch in the woods or a good donor figure like that was out in the woods And they just replace it with Baba Yaga because she was their witch in the woods. She was their powerful woman on the edge of town and society that was there. But then anytime the story called for a character like we saw way back when in the Frau Holly episode where you've got a good daughter and a bad daughter and they need a witch who's going to teach the bad daughter a lesson but reward the good daughter. Again, they're like, oh, plop Baba Yaga in here into this story, this'll work. So I had kind of like thrown that out there back in that episode of like, okay, so this thing exists. And I just said like, oh, it exists in in other tales, that there are other tales where Baba Yaga is, shows that this like, you know, kind of happens in other places. But unfortunately, because of time constraints and how logic works, We can't tell you all of the stories in one episode because then you would be there for 17 years of your life. Which, I mean, I know we have some long episodes of this podcast, but I feel like, you know, we've we've got a good group that follows us and listens to us and they'll put up with, you know, the occasional three-hour episode. 17 years, 
I feel like we might start losing people. Yeah. They're like, okay, we get it. Sometimes Baba Yaga helps men and eats little girls. You've proved your point. I was thinking about this. We just did our, you know, bestiary of Bakemono, yokai episode. And there was a character in there that reminded me of Baba Yaga, where it was the Yomamba, mm-hmm. where a similar sort of thing where she would appear in stories, different reasons, it seems like, but where in some stories she would be good and helpful and in other stories she would be not. So she would, you know, be like a more malevolent presence. And it kind of in theorized in that context, it was like, it was a woman that lived out off in the mountains and it was kind of like representative of the dual nature of the wild, wild mountains can be really good for you. Like there's natural resources that can like bless you and like food and it can make help you prosper or whatever. But also there's like dangerous stuff out there that could just straight up kill you. Yeah. And I feel like even if it's not the case, it's like, I feel like Baba Yaga is kind of similar because she lives like in the woods. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's like off on the, on the fringes of society. It's like, well, there's places where exciting and, and novel and good things could happen, but also you could just get killed. Yeah. Where there could be somebody who lives out in that liminal space who can help you in a tough time. But then also out in that liminal space where you're not supposed to be traveling. There's an old lady who's going to eat you for traveling out into her territory. Yeah. And she's also just a character that, you know, she's just going to do what she wants. Like she'll just, for whatever reason, we've talked about this with other like Faye and other things like that. It's like they just feel how they feel about you. And it may not make much sense to us even as we're reading the story, but it's like they just decide they don't like your face and so they're going to eat it. (laughs) You know? Yeah. But it's like they decide they do like your face and they're like, you know what? I'm going to do something nice for this person. And that's why we love Baba Yaga because you never know what you're going to get. Baba Yaga's like a box of chocolates. (laughs) You don't know which one is full of bones. Until you take a bite. Okay, so I thought that I would start us off with a little tale that shows a benevolent and helpful Baba Yaga. Ooh, nice. What's also awesome is, again, like I said, like right at the beginning, is that now that we have read a lot of different stories or like have heard a lot of different tales... You're going to be noticing a lot of things that will remind you of other stories that we've told. And so feel free to shout out when I'm imagining people. Oh, I will. I'm imagining people like listening on the bus or like listening in their house. And they're just like <laughs> shouting out as they're doing the laundry. They're just like, oh, my gosh. Hans, my hedgehog. He's not in the story. That would be. Oh, sorry. That'd be awesome. That's a crossover. That's a fun crossover. But we'll definitely see like elements of that, which again, I'll tell you straight up. Back when we did the episode, it was uh, of Hans My Hedgehog. We were talking about this character that appeared in The Witcher and about the law of surprise that was inside of the tale, The Witcher, and how there is not a tale element or motif called the law of surprise, but there is child unwittingly promised. And in that episode, I had mentioned that there are like lots of tales that have child unwittingly promised. Again, we can't tell every single 
story that has that motif inside of a single like episode. So what's fun about doing an episode like this is that we get to see some of these different things revisited and also just get to, yeah, have fun and hear a fun story. So. Which, which is what we're all about here. Yeah. Telling the stories and having a good time. Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> so this story is called The Sea King and Vasilisa the Wise. Mm. Neither one of these characters is the main character. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I I always have to laugh at some of the titles that tales get named. Because sometimes it is based off of like a main character, but then other times it's kind of based off of the most like recognizable. Right. Like Vasilisa is like, it'd be like if, you know, like Snow White makes like a brief appearance somehow or like is referenced in the story. So they like want to put Snow White. It's kind of like the clickbait of of back in the day. (laughs) You know? Yeah. To kind of like draw to mind like, like, oh, right, right, right. This is the one that has these characters in it. Kind of doing a lot of the driving of the action. There's a part of me that wonders, too, if it's like one of those, like, ship of, what is it, Theseus or whatever sort of a things. Or even, like, this is a this is a reference that no one's going to get. But in the movie Tootsie. <laughs> uh, this is a ship of Theseus. Or this is a Tootsie situation. It's a Tootsie situation. I mean, it's different than the ship of Theseus or the ship of... I, <laughs> I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. But in Tootsie, there's like this whole thing, like a running joke throughout the thing where this guy's riding a play and he's like working on the scene and it's the necktie scene. And he's like, they're always talking about the necktie scene, the necktie scene, and he can't, it's not working, you know, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And then it ends up being that what they need to do to fix the necktie scene is get rid of the necktie. But because they've been calling it the necktie scene, the necktie is gone, but it's still the necktie scene. You know what I mean? I could totally see that happening with fairy tales, folklore, whatever, where it's like the story is like, here's a story about this thing. And like, you kind of, this is this story. But then as it gets told over and over and over, it like gets further and further from that thing. But like, because you still have been calling it by like whatever name, like that still sticks, you know, like a vestigial name on a story that's become unrecognizable. I think it would be hilarious if in the Sea King and Vasilisa the Wise, neither one of these characters showed up. Like period. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's not based in anything except for my own thoughts and the fact that I want an excuse to talk about Tootsie because it's a great movie with Dustin Hoffman. And if you haven't seen it, you totally should. So, Katrina, tell us about The Sea King and Vasilisa. And- absolutely. And also, I want th- people to know that this story, the the Law of Three, it pops up so many times. I'm going to try to go as fast as I can over any time that that happens just because... I think we all get it, right? Like, we we, we all get it that it's going to happen three times. So I don't want to bore people until they full up die. Yeah. So once there lived a king and a queen, and the king loved to go out hunting and shooting all the time, which I do. <laughs> this is neither here nor there, because I don't think it fully relates, but I it made me think of, one of our tales, I think it was the King of Ireland's daughter, where the guy, every time he'd get super bummed out about like his favorite dog dying or his favorite horse dying, he would just go out and go hunting to like be alone. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. dude would go out hunting with for like anything. It's just his excuse. Yeah. Anyway, so this king was a lot like that, where he's just like, I'm going to go out hunting any chance I get. So he was out hunting and looking around for something to shoot. And he sees an eagle 
Which, what's the point of killing an eagle except to like say that you did? Like, you're you're not going to eat it, are you? I mean, you can. There's like meat. Probably. There's it's a bird, but I think I've like, I feel like I've always use its heard, feathers for something. I don't maybe know. I feel like I've heard that like birds of prey, like carnivores, taste worse. I could see that. And so I'm like, would I eat an eagle to say that I did? So that I could absorb its powers. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the only reason. That's from Nacho Libre. Not That's from just life. Yeah. It was an it was an egg. He had to eat the egg of the eagle. I know. Drink it raw. <clears throat> straight from the nest. I, I can see him in my mind, like, <laughs> leaping <Me too>. off <laughs> after he eats it. And hear the... <laughs> which is like a red-tailed hawk or whatever. Like, yeah. eagles actually sound, like, way wimpy. but So they have to use, like, a red-tailed hawk's voice instead yeah how embarrassing for the eagles yeah that humans are like um you actually sound really lame we like how how you look we love the look but we're gonna have to redo your you know we're gonna have to dub over your voice with someone that sounds a little bit sexier anyway so there's this young eagle who is sitting on an oak tree which Oak trees, if we want to get into like symbolism and stuff, like oak. You know we do. Yeah, oak trees are just the they're a very magical tree, seen as like a symbol of like age and wisdom, which is just interesting because we're you know Vasilisa the wise is in this story, who is different yeah. from Vasilisa the fair. I don't think I pointed that out, but I will later as well. Anyway. So that was like a brief aside about oak trees. Just like the symbology. So, no. Young eagle sitting in this oak tree and the king is aiming his gun at this eagle. And is it a gun? I don't know what. He just says he aimed to shoot him. And my brain filled in gun. Even though, when was this story told? Probably, maybe it wasn't a gun. Who knows? I don't know. Bow, I was thinking arrows. arrows. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's it. He aimed his bazooka up into the oak tree. Yeah. And people might be wondering, as this conversation is going on, why isn't this eagle flying away? Why doesn't he just fly away and leave? I mean, the eagle might not know he's about to be shot. Oh, he does. He's, he has like a full conversation. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> but this is like, this is a fledgling eagle. Mm. he's still in his nest unable to fly mm. hasn't done his like first flight yet and so not very sporting of this guy to hunt a fledgling eagle no I eagle. know like why and who would want like even for like feather quality it's not the best for feather quality I'm going to tell you what because it takes a while for them to like age into their feathers I feel like we're taking a very long time on this first paragraph <laughs> on a story that is like relatively long <laughs> But All right. anyway, so <laughs> I just am like, man, we're really getting into this, the lore of this. Look, I started getting the idea of a 17-year episode in my mind, and I was like, you know what? I want to get close at least. Let's do it. Let's try. <laughs> so the eagle begs him, do not shoot me, my sovereign. Instead, take me to your castle. Someday I shall be useful to you. And mm. the king, you know, thought about it for a second and was like, you know what? No, you don't seem like you'd be that useful to me, actually. Like, what use would I have for, like, an eagle? So, no. So he aimed again at this eagle, and the eagle again was like, please, 
take me to your castle and feed me, and I promise someday I will be of use to you. And the king was like, oh, wow, you make a really good point. But no, I'm going to shoot you. So he (laughs) aims again at the eagle. And this time the eagle is like, please, I beseech you, if you don't shoot me and you feed me for two to three years, I will be useful to you. I don't know why that sounds better than the other two times he was pleading this. Mm-hmm. Now it's sounding like the more It sounds like a, even more of an investment. It's like two years, two to three two years, to and three. then like you might be useful. It's like, that's a lot. That's, you know, that's a lot of food I got to give you, a lot of tending I got to do. Yeah. For like what? You're not even telling me how you're going to be useful to me. Yeah. So like this, it just feels like this is get, becoming like a worse and worse deal. But it's, and yet. And yet. The story says that the king's heart was moved and he decided to take the eagle to his house. So he takes the eagle back to his castle and he's caring for it, making sure that it's getting lots of good food to eat. And in the course of two years, it eats up all of the king's cattle. What the? And yeah, I'm like, dude. (laughs) Dude's, Dude's feeding this fledgling eagle just straight up steak. Yeah, every apparently day? every single day, <laughs> just constant steak all the time. Pretty sure eagles don't eat cows in the wild, but I mean, I'm sure they'd eat a steak if you put it in front yeah, of them. Yeah, because I'm like, if you cut it down into manageable strips, I'm sure that they, you know, wouldn't. Yeah. And eagles wouldn't say, you know, they're very polite. They don't want to be rude. Yeah, that's one. That's one thing we know about eagles. Yeah, that's why the America's national bird is an eagle. Yeah. Because we are known as a country of not rude people. <laughs> <laughs> yep. World renowned for our polite manners. It's a joke. So after two years and this eagle eating up every single sheep and every single cow that this man has, he goes to the king and he was like, My king, my sovereign, you have fed me for two years. Please release me to see if I can, like, fly. And so the king is like, okay, super. (laughs) Two two years and you've eaten everything and not once been useful to me. Sure, yeah, I'll let you fly. I'll let you leave. (laughs) So he goes to, like, let the eagle go. And the eagle cannot fly yet. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to fly yet. I'll just stay with you for this like final year, the third year. You know, I had told you, you know, two or three years. So I'll stay with you one more year. And the king was like, I don't have anything to feed you. You've literally eaten every cow and every sheep that I have. I have fed you and like I'm out. And the eagle is like, oh, no, no, no. If you like borrow and lend from like all of your neighbors and like whoever to feed me for one more year, I promise it'll be worth it. I promise it's going to be worth it to you. And so the king was like, okay, fine. I will do that. I will feed you. <laughs> and so he goes another year feeding this eagle from all around the countryside. He is going and borrowing and buying everybody's cows, everybody's sheep so that he can feed this eagle. So finally, after three years, this eagle is like, all right, let me see if I can fly. And he 
The king lets him out and he starts flying and he does, you know, a big gorgeous loop around. I can see it in my mind. Just him like flying. And so, yes, he's this massive giant eagle that's now capable of flight. So he goes to the king and he says, now it's time for me to repay you. Sit on me and we shall fly together. So that tells you how big, how massive this bird has got, which makes me think of rocks from mm. the Thousand and One Nights. These just like absolutely massive, terrifying like birds. But anyway, so the king goes and he sits on this bird so that he can receive his reward for all that he's, you know, sparing this animal's life and feeding it for three years. So this bird flies them over the countryside and then over the sea. And as they start getting over the sea, the eagle tips and drops the man into (laughs) the ocean. (laughs) But, and this, I'm just kind of like, oh, he would have hit quite hard, actually, if this happened. Because he was like, he only dropped him in water that went up to, I think, like his waist, which... I'm like, from what height did he drop him? You can, oh, geez, you can yeah. kill somebody. But it says that the king only got wet up to, oh, the first one, it was he only got wet up to his knees. And then, yeah, okay. yeah, you're like, don't drop him into water that shallow, man. You'll kill him. So then the bird circles back around and picks him up and is like, oh, sorry about that, man. And starts flying with him. And he was like, were you afraid that you might drown? And the guy was like, yeah, I was afraid I might drown when you dropped me. Like, that was like terrifying. And the bird's like, well, luckily you only got wet up to your knees. And the guy's like, I guess. So then they fly for a bit, a little bit longer. And then the eagle drops him again, straight into the water. And this time up to his waist. So... The eagle is flying back up in the air with the guy, and he's like, oh, yeah, were you scared back there? And the guy was like, yeah, a little. I thought you were going to drown me. And he was like, oh, ha, 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 I wouldn't let you drown. So then they fly for a little bit further, and the eagle drops him again, this time into waist-deep water. And the king is like, what in the world? Is this my reward? And again, the eagle swoops back down, scoops him up, and was like, hey, were you afraid I was going to leave you to drown? And the guy was like, yeah, it kind of was. Why in the world are you? And then he drops him one more time. Because rule of threes, man. Yeah. He's got to do it at least three times. So he drops him. And this time it comes up all the way to his neck. <laughs> and so he's feeling a little bit more nervous. But then, of course, the eagle swoops back down and grabs the king and asks again, my king, were you frightened? And the king was like, yeah. I was worried that, you know, you weren't ever going to come to pull me out. And the eagle said, well, my king, now you've learned the same fear of death that you had me feel when I was a fledgling. (gasps) And he's like, three times you threatened to shoot me with an arrow. He doesn't say arrow, but now, now it's headcanon. Three times you threatened to shoot me, but you spared my life. And now it's time for your reward, which I was like, all right, all right. (laughs) I don't people being like, that'll teach you a lesson. I'm like, okay, I guess. Eagle was playing the long game too, you know, revenge, a dish best served cold. Yeah. Not to mention this guy fed, this guy fed him for like three years. Like 
for, I don't yeah. know. It's kind of like, oh, now we're even. It's like, no, how about you feed me for three years now? And then we'll finally yeah, be Yeah, like, what's this reward that you're going to give me? It better be freaking good. So anyway, they start flying over the land. It says they traveled thrice nine kingdoms. So three times nine, 27. 27. Or you can do the thing with your oh. hands. You know that trick? For multiplying by nines, we just like... Count like nine times or however many things, like one, two, three, you put down that many fingers, like 27, two on one side, and then the middle finger's down, and then My seven daughter on the other taught side. me that recently. I, that's not how I learned it. How I learned it was you take the number th- like three, you take one away so it's two, and then the number that goes next to it will equal nine. Yeah. Adds Which is the nine. same basically as the finger thing. Yeah. Except all, all in the noggin. Yeah, you don't look like an idiot like I do. I'm like, you just look like you're playing like an air piano. So as they kept flying, the eagle was pointing out different things or rather he was like quizzing the king as they were flying along where he was like, can you see what's above and what's below? And the king would be like, oh, yeah, I can see right now the sky is above and, you know, water below or the sky above earth below. And then, you know, finally they get to another spot and the eagle is like, can you see what is to your left and what is to your right? And the king was like, yes, to my left is water, to my right is a cottage. And the eagle says, that is the cottage of my sister. We shall land there. So the eagle flies down and lands at this little cottage and his sister comes out to greet him. His sister... They don't say that she's an eagle, which leads me to believe she's a human. <laughs> or, yeah. Uh-huh. She lives in a cottage, which, you know, eagles aren't yeah. known to At live in At this point, cottages. I was expecting, like, a Baba Yaga character to start popping up in this story. Because, once again, this is a Baba Yaga, a story that includes Baba Yaga. But anyway, so the eagle walks into his sister's cottage. And when the sister turns and sees the king standing there... She sends her hound dogs to go and chase the king. (laughs) So her dogs like start chasing after the king. And so the eagle quickly like flies and grabs the king out of danger of these dogs. And they start flying away. And the eagle asks, oh, king, can you see what's in front of us and what's behind us? And the king was like, oh, yeah. Well, what's in front of us? Looks like, you know, more land and field. And what's behind us is a burning house. (laughs) And the eagle is like, yes, that is my sister's house because she was very rude to you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's insane. Um, But also delightful. I wouldn't do that to my sister. She can, you know, she can be rude to my guest. Sorry, RIP guest. Or rather, she can decide who goes into her apartment and who, like, stays out. That's her deal. I won't burn down the apartment complex. Yeah. So anyway, they keep flying, and pretty soon the eagle asks again to the king, oh, do you see what's to the left of you, what's to the right of you? And he's like, yes, to my left I see a field, to the right I see a cottage. And the eagle's like, that is the home of my second sister. So they fly down, land once again, he goes into the house while dogs get sent to chase after the king. And so, of course, the eagle grabs him. They take off. Burning house, whole situation again. So that's two times. Now third time. They fly. There's a cottage. And this time, the eagle's like, this belongs to my mother and my eldest sister. 
So they land. And this time, the mother and the oldest sister invite him into the house. They say, come and rest in the house while the eagle gets your reward. So the eagle goes and returns to the king with two chests, two coffers is the word that's used in this translation. A red one and... Black one. A green one. No. Oh. <laughs> I know. You set me up I for did. that on purpose. I did. I absolutely did. Because, yeah, when it was like a red one and I'm like, ah, and they're like, and a green one. And I was like, okay, all right, all right. I thought I might have like been fooled and it have been a, bl- a white one. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Did I expect like, green? No. No. Not no, in Nobody's years. expecting green. Like, what in the world? How dare they? So anyway, the eagle gives him this red chest and this green chest, and he says, I have got you a ship so that you can sail back to your home. Thank you for not killing me and for taking care of me these three years. Do not open these chests until you get home. Okay. And the king was like, okay, I understand. And he's like, okay, you really do not don't. Do not open these until you are located at your castle. Like for real. For real. And the king's like, okay, yeah, no, I understand. He's like, yes, put them on the ship, sail home, open them when you reach home, only when you reach home. And he was like, okay, I got it. I understand. Like, I'm not stupid. So he was like, the red one, open it in your backyard. The green one, open it in your front yard. (laughs) When you are at home. And the guy was like, okay, I understand. That all makes sense. I will do that. And he was like, awesome. It's been a pleasure. See you around. So the king puts these chests, these coffers onto the ship and starts sailing for home. So he's sailing and sailing for a really long time because, of course, they went flying for a super long time. Mm -hmm. Thrice nine kingdoms length of a flight. So the king sailed and sailed and was sailing a long time, again, thrice on lands. And finally, he came to an island where he decided to stop the boat, get out, see if there's any chance of like resupplying or anything like that. I guess, I don't know, stretch his legs, see if there's any delicious coconuts. Whatever. He got out onto this island. And while he was sitting there, he thought, I mean... I really want to know what the eagle gave me as a reward because, like, again, I took care of him for, like, three years and he <laughs> ate, like, all of, like, the cattle and stuff and my land and what could be in this little chest that was worth, like, all of that? Hmm. I kind of want to open it now. I'll just open the red one now to investigate to see, like, what's in this little box that supposedly was, like, worth all that. So he got the red box. And he opened it up. And the second that he opened it up, hundreds and thousands of cattle just started pouring out of all kinds. It was cows, sheep, ox, goats, like way more than had been eaten in those three years, enough to like repay all the people that he had borrowed from to to fill up his stables with uh-huh. like even more than they had and initially held 
Nice. And he was like, oh, no. How am I going to get these back in the box? <laughs> oh, yeah, because he didn't he didn't wait. He didn't wait. He's like on an island now surrounded by thousands of cattle. And he has to get back on a ship and these are not going to all fit on the ship. Because they had been inside of this case. I'm assuming for a reason. Mm -hmm. While he thought, oh, is this eagle trying to trick me? Which again, I mean, listen, they'd had a bit of a tit for tat. Yeah, there's like, mm, yeah, there's some trust issues there. And I understand that. But anyway, so he's in a pickle. He's in a bit of a dilemma. So as he's standing there looking at all of this cattle, just going, oh, gosh, what do I do? I messed up. I messed up big. Oh, gosh. This man. And they don't describe him in the story. And so I will. (laughs) Ripped, glistening pecs, man, tan, dark, (laughs) long Mm -hmm. hair, beautiful man, (laughs) comes out of the water. And he walks over to the king and he's like, hey, buddy, what you freaking out about? And obvious, my words, not a direct quote from the story. Right. What are you freaking out about? Like, what's wrong? What's going on? And the king was like, I need to fit all of this cattle back in this box. And I do not know how to make that happen. And the guy that just came out from the water was like, oh, I can get it back in the box. That's no problem. And the king, easy peasy. easy peasy, no problem. What in the world? And the king was like, "Are you serious? You can do that? You would, you would do that for me." <laughs> Happy twentieth anniversary of the show Wicked. So, <laughs> has it been twenty years? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. So the king is like, "You would, you would do that to help me?" And you know, this guy who just came out of the water was like, "Oh." I mean, you would need to do something for me. And the king was like, well, I don't know what I can do for you like here, but I can, I have things like, you know, back at my kingdom that I could gift you and I could give you. And the guy was like, oh, calm down, calm down. No, it doesn't like need to be that extreme. Just give me that, which you do not know is in your own house. Mm. And the king was like, I know everything that's in my house. (laughs) And the guy who had come out of the water was like, okay, so promise to give me the thing that is in your house that you do not now know. And the king was like, okay, yeah, no problem. Sure, yeah, deal, I'll do that. And the guy who had come out of the water was like, awesome, sure thing. And he gathers up all of the cattle and he puts them back into the red chest. And he loads it back up on the boat and he says, remember your promise. And the king is like, okay, sure, whatever. So he gets home and immediately upon his return, his wife hearing that her husband has returned after his very long absence, rushes to him and begins kissing him and, oh, I love you so much. I miss you so much. Whatever. All of that. Whatever. Whatever. All of that business. and. She turns to him and says, I have somebody I think that you should meet. You have a son. And she Mm. turns and shows him 
the son that had been born in his absence. And immediately the king bursts into tears. And his wife is like, oh my gosh, why are you crying bitter tears? And he's like, no, 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 these are happy tears. I'm like really happy about this. This is really great. I unwittingly promised our son, our (laughs) child. It's a conundrum. It happens to a lot of people, actually, sweetie. So don't get mad at me. (laughs) It's a mistake that any idiot could make. Um, He basically decides that what he's going to do is just hide this little prince away for as long as he possibly can. Because, I mean, what's this random dude from the middle of the ocean going to do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. 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 So at this point, he does take the red box into his backyard, lift up the lid. Now all of the cattle are out. Riches beyond understanding. Now the eagle, it's all been repaid. So then he takes the green box and he opens it up in the front yard. And magically, a vast garden and orchard appear. So it's like, which now the colors makes more sense to me. But it's Mm -hmm. like green, there's a whole garden in there, orchards, all these like flowering plants that have like food attached to them and stuff. Like, yeah, it's thematically appropriate coloring for the boxes. Red, red meat. No. (laughs) I mean, I mean, am I wrong? (laughs) Nope. Nope. So many years go by, and one day the king wishes to go on a long walk. It's been a while since he has ventured very far from his own kingdom and castle. So he starts walking, and he comes across a river. And when he gets to this body of water to dip down and have a bit of a drink, out pops this glistening man. What? The same guy from before. So Uh, the same guy that popped out of the water, now he's popping out over here. Turns out he's the sea king, the king of the sea. And, you know. Finally makes an appearance. Yeah. Since this guy had walked, like he'd finally come towards like the water. I guess inside the castle. Can you imagine if the sea king like popped out of your toilet? Oh, my gosh. And yeah. he's like, we've been meaning to get a hold of you about your car's <laughs> extended warranty. No. <laughs> we've been trying to get a hold of you about your child unwittingly promised. So the king is standing there looking at the sea king who's like, hey, you promised me something and it's time that you pay up. And, you know, the king is like, oh, no, what am I going to do? But. I'm like, what's funny is there's like, there's not really like any implied threat. It's just like, King, you forget quickly. Remember your debt to me, debt to me, debt to me. And then the king returns home and is like, oh man, guys, I have to tell you something. But there was like no threat, like implied. <laughs> right. That. So just like, just remember. Yeah. That you owe me this kid. And every time you guys get near water, which, so here's the thing about after you read several of these kind of like tales. There's a story in the Brothers Grimm collection. I believe it's called The Nix or The Nixie in the Well. I vaguely remember talking about this. Yes. So this is one of those tales that we have not retold on the podcast. I think I did mention it when we did Child Unwittingly Promised. We talked about it. Along with another tale that's from England called Nix Not Nothing. 
That's right. The Nixie in the Well was a tale that way, way back when, before there was like a podcast, I wrote a retelling of it full of like memes and stuff. Because, oh. yeah, I was blogging before I was podcasting. I do recall. So in that story, it's a similar thing, you know, child unwittingly promised, but the Nixie is bound to water. And so it can only, I mean, it basically is like any time this kid gets near water, like gets near a body of water or something, the Nixie is going to come for like the payment. And Mm. eventually this kid, you know, goes over a bridge and gets nabbed. And so I think the implied threat kind of in this story is that like this prince is never going to be able to go near water without eventually being found out and grabbed by like the seeking. Right. And you can't go your whole life avoiding water. Yeah. Like, especially if you're like a prince who might need to like travel to other kingdoms for different reasons. Yeah. There's going to be, I mean, obviously, even around their own kingdom, there's like rivers and waterways. So at some point, yeah, like he's going to get grabbed. But the prince, you know, when he hears his dad tells him, oh, I promised you this sea king like way back in the day. I didn't know that you existed. I didn't do it on purpose. Like, I'm so sorry. The prince is like, well, we need to trust in God, which I think is so interesting that like, you know, Christianity like pops up sprinkled in to stuff where they're just like, oh, and here's a little bit of light Christianity for you. (laughs) And this story of like witches and wizards and magic also got. He's part of it. So the prince is basically like, I will trust in God that like, you know, what what is meant to happen will happen to me in my life. And so he starts walking to, I guess, turn himself over to the seeking. Or, you know, maybe he's going to hide. I don't know. Oh, no. Lies. So they were all grieving, very sad together. But, you know, even the prince said, we kind of have no choice. We need to just, like, leave it leave it with God. Let him decide what will happen to me. And so he was taken by his family to the seashore and left alone. Just desert him, like, on the seashore. Like, if you want okay. him, come and get him. <laughs> so anyway, the prince looked around himself, and he saw that there was a path leading into the thick forest. And so he decided that that was a sign from God. And so he'd start walking into this thick forest and see what happened to him. Since I guess he was standing on the seashore and nothing was happening, he was like, well, I better just, you know, just start doing something. So he starts walking into Uh. the dark forest. And pretty soon as he's walking his way along in this dark forest, he comes across a hut. A hut on chicken legs. Mm, Yes. We did it. That's what we've been waiting for. And so when he saw this little hut, he knew that it was the hut of the Baba Yaga. Yeah. The prince thought, I will go in and entered the little hut, which again, it's like, that seems odd, given what we kind of like colloquially (laughs) already know about like the Baba Yaga from like other Uh tales. Yeah. But he's just like, oh, look, the Baba Yaga. So he goes in and she sees him and goes, oh, good day, prince. And she says this and I love it. 
Are you trying to do a deed or are you shirking one? (laughs) 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 Which, yeah, working hard or hardly working. Uh, Just like, oh, what finds you in these woods? Are you in the middle of, you know, like completing a quest or are you avoiding a quest? Legitimate question. Yeah. And he says, ah, grandmother, give me food and drink and question me later. Which I'm like, wow, we're on very polite, friendly terms with the Baba Yaga. Grandmother. Grandmother. Which reminds me of like other tales that we've had, like the Turkish tales like episode that we did with the Doom Mother, which is supposed to be kind of this like demonic ogre lady. But immediately when like the guy finds himself, was it the guy or the girl? I can't even remember. But whoever found themselves with the Doom Mother, they immediately were like, ah, grandmother. Like, out of, like, politeness. Right. Yeah. Or they might have even said, ah, mother. That's why she was called the Doom Mother. But anyway, like, just this immediate, like, oh, I'm going to be polite. I'm going to be colloquial. Like, I'm going to treat you with this level of, like, respect, so hopefully you're kind to me. But, yeah, that's I'm interesting walking into Baba Yaga's hut and being like, oh, grandmother, please feed me and give me some drinks and bother me later. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... The Baba Yaga gave him food and drink, and then the prince started to tell her all about himself. And so the Baba Yaga was like, okay, I know how to help you. So she tells this prince to go to the seashore, and there he will see 12 spoonbills flying overhead, which I think it's super interesting that it's Spoonbills. That is a bird that I have not seen pop up in any of the folk tales and fairy tales that I have looked at. But this bird, it looks, it's like the same size and relative shape body-wise as like a stork or a crane. Mm-hmm. White. Like other stories where we've seen a similar thing happen where you have swans these like white gorgeous swans that fly in. It's always seems to be a big white bird that's flying. Right. And so it's interesting because this spoonbills, they fill in that same exact right. like character, but Eurasian spoonbills are that what's in that area. So it's interesting. So Baba Yaga said you'll see 12 spoonbills and as they land, they'll turn into lovely maidens and bathe. And Baba Yaga is like, if you quietly sneak up on them, you can steal one of their clothes. (laughs) And if you hold on to the the shift of the eldest maiden, which is basically like an undergarment, and then settle your accounts with her. I'm like, what do you mean by that, Baba Yaga? But I love that she's like, settle your accounts with her. If you make an arrangement with her and let her go back to the sea king, that will aid you in your journey. Also, do not go until you have met and brought with you Eater, Drinker, and Sharp Frost. Take them with you. They will be useful to you. And these these three dudes are going to be very reminiscent of another, again, once again, another story that we've seen from the Brothers Grimm. Anyway, so the prince says farewell to Baba Yaga, and then he goes to the area that she told him to go to, and he hid behind the bushes. And pretty soon, 12 spoonbills came flying overhead, and they landed on the damp earth. And immediately when their feet touched ground, they turned into lovely maidens. 
they took off their clothes and began to bathe. So, of course, he creeps over and he grabs the eldest of the maidens' shift, her, like, dress. Eleven of them put their clothes back on and fly homeward. And the eldest one, Vasilisa the Wise, remained. Mm. Vasilisa the Wise has entered the chat. Was wondering when she'd show up. Yeah, like, where is this woman? So... She's looking around and she finds this guy holding her clothes and she's like, give me my clothes back. What are you like? What are you doing? Reasonable response. And, you know, he told her of his dilemma and she said, well, if you give me my clothes back. When you go to pervert. When you come to see my father, the sea king. I will be quite useful to you. And so the prince agreed, gave her her clothes back, and she at once turned back into a spoonbill and flew off back home to her father's kingdom. So the prince was not done yet. He continued to walk around until he found the three champions, Eater, Drinker, and Sharp Frost. There we go. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. He's like assembling his A-team. So he, you know, tells them of his dilemma, asks them to come with him, and they, of course, agree to come with him. So he now goes down into the sea, and the sea king sees him and is like, oh, hey, my friend, long time no see. He's like, hello, my friend, why have you not come to see me for so long? I've gotten really tired waiting for you, but I have some tasks for you to complete, or I'll kill you. <laughs> of course, they always do. Yeah. They, they always do. So the Sea King tells this youth, the prince, that he needs to build a great crystal bridge in one night. And he's like, Aunt, see you in the morning. If you don't get this built, I'm going to kill you. And then he goes to bed. And then the prince is left and, you know, Standing there crying because he's like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? So as he's standing there crying, Vasilisa the Wise opens the window of her apartment. And listen, I don't know where this story takes place. Like, are we underwater or are we next to the water? I don't know. I don't know. How? Yeah. How are we to know? Who's yeah. to know? Who's to tell? Who's to say? Yeah. I don't know how this all functions. But anyway, so Vasilisa the Wise, she opens, it says, opens the window of her apartment. And it's like, why are you crying? What's going on, buddy? What, what is this? And so he explains, like, like, your father ordered me to build a crystal bridge in one night. And I, I, I don't even know how to hold an axe in my hands. <laughs> Which oh. I was like, oh, that's adorable. Uh, but so sad. And I love this. We saw this in Vasilisa, the beautiful tale. This little line that I absolutely love. Lie down to sleep. The morning is wiser than the evening. Like, love it. I want to cross-stitch that onto something. Like, perfect. Probably a pillow. It is, yeah. does seem like a good thing to go on a pillow. And that's like some legit good advice, you know? It is. Nighttime me is not the best me to be thinking things through, you know? Yeah. Go to sleep, get some rest, wake up, 
the next morning. If you're spiraling out, go to bed. Just tell yourself, hey, I can have this existential crisis in the morning. Yeah, exactly. And then you come to it in the morning and usually, you know, it's like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. Or you have a clear mind to actually deal with whatever it is that's going on. Yeah. It says, vastly so the wise put the prince to sleep. I love, like, the imagery. I'm just, like, imagining her putting, like, a blanket over him. And he's just, like, (laughs) panicking, freaking out, because he's like, if this isn't good done, then they're going to chop my head off. Which is like, buddy, but you're not, even if you did something right now about it, you wouldn't be able to complete a bridge right now. So just go to sleep, get a good night's sleep, and then get your head chopped off in the morning. It's fine. (laughs) You're in no state to be completing a bridge right now, sir. So she went out to the back porch and whistled with a mighty whistle and from all sides masons came running I'm like yeah vessel mm. lisa the wise her whistle brings all the masons to the yard <laughs> <laughs> so quickly they started to clear a place dragging bricks working on you know building a crystal bridge i'm like i don't even know what how, how do you what do you use bricks for when you're building a crystal a crystal bridge because when he was like, I don't even know how to hold an axe. I was like, why would you need an axe to make a crystal bridge? I don't know how to make a crystal bridge either. Listen, I would also get my head chopped off in the morning. Yeah. It's like, you know, maybe you know, it's a crystal bridge, but maybe it's not entirely made out of crystal. Maybe, you know, you've got like some crystal elements in it. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. So... Soon enough, it was morning, and Vasilisa, the wise, went to wake up the prince, and she said, Get up, prince. The bridge is ready. My father will soon come to see it. So the prince got up, and he grabbed a broom, and then went over to the bridge and was just, like, sweeping. (laughs) (laughs) Sweeping it, making it, like, look clean, which I'm, like, hilarious. Look busy. Look busy. That's, like, the the thing that you do, like, when you need to look busy is you just start sweeping. Yeah. And be like, oh, yeah, I'm working on something. I'm working on this, this sweeping, this very important sweeping. So the sea king, you know, shows up and he's just like, oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. You did such a great job doing this bridge. This fa- looks fantastic. Way better than I thought it was going to. You did great, man. So anyway, next task <laughs> is I need you to plant a garden that has mature trees in it, songbirds that are already living in it, singing in it, and fruited trees you know ready to pluck and this garden needs to be completed um tomorrow morning so get that done or i'll kill you and then the sea king left and the prince is like oh no what am i gonna do it's like buddy calm down vasilisa the wise is like why are you crying what is wrong and he's like i can't help myself from crying because your dad just ordered me to make this like whole mature garden by tomorrow which is an absolutely impossible task because like how can i accomplish all of that in one night i can't make plants bloom overnight i can't make fruit grow on trees overnight i can't do any of that and so he's gonna kill me and so that's why i'm freaking out and i feel like my feelings are valid and she was like your feelings are valid but lie down go to sleep the morning is wiser than the evening So she lays him down to go to sleep and then she goes onto her porch and she whistles with a mighty whistle and her mighty whistle brought all of the gardeners to the yard. (laughs) 
And they started to, you know, get to planting, installing songbirds, I guess. I don't know, (laughs) like, what by whatever magic they had. So that by the next morning, when Vasilis the the Wise was waking up the prince and telling him to get out there and get going, when he got there with his little broom, why are you, what are you sweeping? Oh, I guess it does say he was sweeping the garden path with a broom. Because I was like, what are you doing? Sweeping dirt? What's your plan? He's sweeping the dirt off of the garden path. Yeah, that is what he's doing. Trying to make it neat. Because, you know, anytime you're doing a certain amount of like yard work, you know, dirt gets tracked around. You got to sweep it off of stuff. Yeah, it's a. He knew this, so he grabbed his broom. And he could see that there was this whole mature garden that had been planted all in one night. And sure enough, the seeking shows up and he's like, oh my gosh, wow. You did amazing. You did so great. Super fantastic. You know what? I think I'm going to reward you. I am going to let you marry one of my 12 daughters. But here's the thing about my 12 daughters. They all look exactly the same as one another, which I was like, then how was he able to tell when he took the eldest daughter's clothes <laughs> if they all looked exactly the same? Baba Yaga helped him out with that one, I guess. I don't know. Faded to yeah. be. But anyway, so the king was like, so here's the deal. All of these 11 women, they look exactly the same from each other. If you're able to name the same woman, pick out the same woman three times in a row, I'll let you marry her. But if you pick, you know, three different women, I'm just going to kill you. The stakes have never been higher. (laughs) Except the day before. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So anyway... Then this guy's like freaking out because he's like, oh, my gosh, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So Vasilisa the Wise goes to him and she's like, calm down. You need to calm down. (laughs) You're crying too loud. (laughs) What is this song? I don't know. It's a Taylor Swift song. And you're a massive You need to calm down. You're being too loud. Okay, not crying too loud. Okay. No. You need to calm down. You're crying too loud. (laughs) She's like, it'll be fine. I will help you with this task. She's like, the first time when you are looking at all of us women, I will wave my handkerchief. The second time, you'll see me just adjusting my dress so you'll know how to pick me out. And then the third time, a fly will fly over my head. Okay, I understand those first two things, but how did she know? Like, how is she, does she have a fly in her pocket that she's going to, like, release <laughs> at the appropriate time or what? Pocket like, you have flies. no control over that, ma'am. <laughs> but whatever. Always hang out with a woman who has a trained fly buzzing around her. This is a life advice podcast. Only if you want to live. So... This was how the prince was able to choose Vasilisa the Wise each time, and they were married, and a great feast began. Which, what I love about that is basically Vasilisa picked him. Right. Because... Which is nice. Yeah. Because she was, like, if she didn't want to marry him, she could have just been like, 
Yeah, man. Sounds like you're going to get murked tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or even she could have gotten one of her sisters too to like, you know, be the one that did the signs or whatever. But, you know, it's I like it because so rarely in a story when like this is the situation, does the lady get the say in the story? And she is very clearly in this story being like, hey, I, I want this to happen. Yeah. As well. So I'm working f- towards it. Alas, the Sea King was not done putting this man to the test. So he devised three more little challenges for his new son-in-law. He was like, oh, so here is your wedding feast. And he brought out all this food, more food than could feed the entire kingdom. And he says to his son-in-law, you need to finish all of this food before the end of the wedding feast, or I'm going to kill you. And the son-in-law said, oh, father, I have an old friend of mine who's here with me. Please allow him to eat with us, too. And so, of course, the king was like, oh, sure, I guess your old friend can help you eat this insane amount of food. Fine. And out comes Eater. Ooh. And he eats. Wonder how he got that name. Yeah, I wonder how he got the name. So he eats all of this food. Gum, 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 gum. He eats all this food up. And when he gets to the end of all of the food, Let's out, obviously, a big belch and asks if there's any more that he can eat. So the Sea King's like, okay, fine, buddy. I guess you and your friend ate all that food. Well, now I'm going to bring out all of this alcohol. (laughs) Now I'm going to bring out all of this beer and wine for you to feast on. And he brought out 40 barrels and set them down in front of his new son-in-law. And his son-in-law was like, oh, father, thank you for this. I have an old friend who's here with me who would would like to have it as well. Would it be all right if I invite my friend to have a drink with us? And the king's like, of course, you can invite your one friend to come and have some drinks with you. So out comes Drinker. (laughs) Which, can you imagine that's your nickname? How much I can imagine a few people who probably had that as their nickname <laughs> in college. <laughs> For real though. Uh so drinker comes to him and has a glass, then another glass, then a barrel, and a 38th barrel, and <laughs> until all 40 barrels that had been brought out were gone. And then, you know, drinker lets out a belch and asks if there's any more to be had. Hilarious. So the king, frustrated, was like, okay, I have another task. I think, and this is a weird thing at a wedding, personally, I think. He was like, I am going to have a cast iron bath heated for you and your new wife to bathe together. I'm like, Mm. this is a party. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Hot tub. It's about to be. So... Uh, They heat up, it says 20 cords of wood were burned to heat this up. The stove and the walls were red hot. And so the king was like, there 
There you go. There's your hot bath. How about you guys go climb into your nice hot honeymoon hot tub? And his son-in-law says, Father, please allow this old man who has come with us to steam himself first. And, (laughs) of course, everybody likes an old man in a hot tub with them. I know Jeff does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just immediately remembered, like, you going to, was it the hot springs or something in Iceland? And you have to, like, wash off with everybody else. Yeah, totally naked. Yeah, before you get into them. So it was, like, Mm -hmm. you and just a bunch of old Icelandic men naked together all all night. I think about you naked with all those Icelandic (laughs) men all the time. Not sure how I feel about that. So I was like, where was I? Oh, yes. Old men in a bathtub. So, <laughs> so of course, the father-in-law, the sea king, was like, yeah, I guess your friend can also get in the hot tub and cook to death, too. Like, I don't give a crap. So he was like, yeah, you can invite this, like, old man to go and steam himself. So. Sharp frost came to the bath, and it says he blew into one corner, into another, and soon icicles hung there. And then the newlywed couple went into the bath. Also, I'm realizing they weren't going into, like, a bathtub or a hot tub. They were going into, like, a steam room. That makes more sense to me, right? That they're, like, cooking, like, this cast iron bowl of water to create steam. But the steam is so hot and like the cast iron in there is so hot that it's going to like boil them alive, like, or steam them alive. Either way. I I guess. I don't know. I thought they were going to get in the, get in the pot. Me too. Either way, they're trying to get cooked and get a murder. But sharp frost had blown icicles into like all the corners so that when the newlywed couple went in, they were able to pleasantly steam themselves and then return home. So that night, Vasilisa the Wise was like, I think we need to get away from my father, the sea king. (laughs) You're just putting this together now? This is why she's called Vasilisa the Wise. Because she's like, like, you know what? I think he might be trying to kill us. I think my dad is like toxic. (laughs) Like, really? She could figure that out. Yeah. Mm. You know what? Not everybody can get away from a toxic family system. That's true. And so, you know, I think we might be jokingly being a little hard on her, but that is very wise of her to be like, you know what? I don't think this is a good place for us to be. So quickly, they snuck into the stables, saddled some horses, and started galloping away. So they galloped and galloped and rode and rode, and pretty soon Vasilisa the Wise was like, I can hear footsteps behind us of a thundering crowd. And the prince was like, puts his ear to the damp earth, and he's like, well, I don't hear anything. Okay, good for you. I I didn't ask for your opinion, buddy. Vasilisa the Wise is telling you, like, hey, I think we're being pursued. And he's like, I don't hear anything. Where do you think, how do you think she got her name, man? Yeah. As if she hasn't pulled you out of, like, other dilemmas. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, save your arguing for later. Jeez Louise, buddy. 
Well, actually, so she quickly turns the horses into a well, herself into a ladle, and the prince into a very old man. Please appreciate my well actually joke. And then he gets turned or the horses get turned into a well. I love that. (laughs) I love that journey for them. Anyway. So pretty soon the pursuers from the sea king come galloping up and they stop at the old man in the well. Who is, of course, the prince in disguise. If you like him all that much, it's yours. But sir insist i have a brain problem do you remember the last time we were recording and like i kept like launching into a song i don't remember that oh it happened i believe it anyway so the pursuers come up to the old man standing at the well and they're like hey Have you by any chance seen a good youth and a lovely maiden go by here? And the prince says, oh, yes, I saw them. But a long time ago, they went by when I was still a young man. Which is hilarious because he had been a young man and then he got turned into an old man. Well, yeah, so funny. An old man in a well. Well, the horses were turned into a well. Yeah. His wife was a ladle. And then he was, yeah. oh man. So anyway, yeah, he was like, oh yeah, they were just here. Anyway, so they were like, oh, well, thank you so much. And they returned back to the Sea King since they were like, oh, it's been so long since they were in that direction that like, they're probably long gone. So they go back to the Sea King and he was like, well, did you see them? And they were like, no, we just saw like an old man with a ladle standing by a well. And the Sea King was like, you idiots, why didn't you bring them here? And they were like, because that's not who you asked for. And he was like, oh, why do I have to work with these idiots? And then he had them ruthlessly murdered. It says, for real? yeah, ordered his messengers to be put to a cruel death. Oh, my gosh. Come on, man. Yeah. Like, settle down. Anyway, so. I'm he, not going to keep good help that way. No. So he sent another party out after the prince and Vasilisa the Wise. And pretty soon, Vasilisa. Vaselina. Vasilisa heard the pursuers coming after them. And instead of asking her, the prince for a second opinion, she was just like, yeah, we're being pursued. And he was like, okay, I believe you. I trust you, woman. So thank goodness. So she turns the prince into an old priest. She turns herself into an ancient church. And she turns the horses into moss growing on that old church. It's like such weird choices of things to turn into, but I mean, I guess it's effective. Yeah. I would never guess that someone was being turned into those things like a well and a ladle and an old man <laughs> in the bottom of a well yeah, or, or like, a church and moss. Yeah. Like, haha. I guess you would have also gotten murdered by the sea king when you went back and you're like, all I saw was uh, an old church and moss with an old man. And he's like, that was them. <laughs> But anyway, so, little old man, have you not seen a good youth with a lovely maiden? And he was like, oh, I saw them, but a long time ago. They went by when I was still young and was building this church. And so that group, you know, they go back to the seeking and they're like, no, all we saw when we chased after them was like this old man in this church covered in moss. And the seeking was like, oh, why didn't you bring them to me? And they're like, bring you a church? And he was like, you guys are so dumb. 
and he has them murdered. So then he decides, you know, if you can't do, what, what is it? If you can't do something right, if you do it yourself, like, yeah, if you can't get someone else to do it right, do it yourself. So he gets onto a horse and starts galloping after them. So this time, Vasilisa the Wise decided for this special pursuer, who was her father, that what she would do is she would turn the horses into a river of mead and the banks of that river into pudding. Like, not not like American pudding, how we think of pudding, but like, right. like bread pudding. Yeah. Yeah. Not- or like blood, or what is it? Blood pudding? Yeah. So, like that. That's what we mean by pudding. I know the pudding you mean, and I'm very disappointed. Because <laughs> you would have just liked banks of like chocolate pudding. Yeah. Oh, I'd be eating it all day. <laughs> well, you and the king both. And she turned the prince into a drake and herself into a gray duck. Which reminds me of like what they call duck, duck, goose in Minnesota. Do you know this? Drake, Drake, gander? No, they oh. call it. Oh, goose, goose, gray goose? Yeah, duck, duck, gray duck. Yeah, no, that's why. They're, they're crazy up they're, there, man. Their childhood games are wrong. <laughs> My, yeah. Mine are right. Uh, <laughs> that's essentially what happened. Duck, a duck and gray duck. What I love is like a drake and then a gray duck. And I'm like, you're not going to say like, is it drake and hen? Jeff, this is an animal husbandry podcast. I feel yeah, like I'm pretty sure yeah. female ducks are hens too. Yeah. Anyway, so when the sea king got to this river of mead and pudding, he decided, oh, I can't pass this up. And he starts eating and eating and drinking and drinking and eating and drinking and drinking and drinking and eating and eating and drinking and drinking and eating and eating until. He burst. Jeez. And it says, gave up the ghost. <laughs> That's one of my favorite expressions for dying. Yeah, gave up the ghost. <laughs> when I die, I want you to tell everyone that I gave up the ghost. Yeah, that your ghost just like popped right out of your body. Just like, peace. <laughs> peace. So after this, the prince and Vasilisa rode until they got to the home of the prince's father and mother. And Vasilisa the Wise sent him in to go and announce them to his parents. But she said, kiss everyone but your sister. Or else you will forget everything about me. So the prince entered his home and he greeted everybody and kissed his sister too. Come on. She just told you not to. It just reminds me of his dad. It runs in the family not being able to follow instructions. This is how he got this is how he got yeah. into this problem in the first place is his dad not following instructions and keeping that red coffer closed. But anyway, so he decides, oh, to heck with it. She doesn't know what she's doing and kisses his sister and no sooner had he kissed her than he forgot about his wife as if she had never been in his thoughts. So Vasilis of the Wise stayed outside for like 3 days waiting for this loser. And on the fourth day, she disguised herself as a beggar woman and asked to stay at the house of, it says, a certain old woman. I really want it to be 
Baba Yaga. You know what I mean? Like, I wish that we yeah. got another reappearance of Baba Yaga. But alas, no. So she was living in town with this, like, old woman trying to think of, like, oh, how can I get this guy to fall in love with me? So she's trying to figure out, you know, how will I get myself back to the prince that I married? Uh, how do I get him to remember that he's married to me? But in the meantime, she sees a wedding invitation to go to the wedding of the prince who is betrothed to a rich queen. And all of the loyal subjects have been commanded to come and congratulate the bride and groom and to bring them a cake as a gift. So. Appropriate wedding gift. Yeah. Vasilisa the Wise says, Grandmother, bring me some flour to mix into dough some cheese curd, and a pair of doves. And the old woman brought her those items and she made up a cake with that flour that had a piece of cheese curd in it and a pair of doves. The doves were alive. I don't know how she cooked it, but it's fine. So it says, at dinner time, the old woman and Vasilisa the Wise went to the palace where... The party was in full swing, which theoretically means that like the wedding portion already like took place, but it's not, you're not married unless it's consummated. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) So the cake that was made by Vasilisa the wise was served. And as soon as it was cut into the pair of doves flew out of it, the she dove snatched the piece of cheese and the he dove said, my little dove, give me some cheese too. And the she-dove said, I will not, else you will forget me, just as the prince forgot his Vasilisa the wise. What a weird contrived conversation for these doves to have. But anyway, at that, the prince remembered his true wife, and he jumped up, took her by her white hands, and seated her beside him. And I guess kicked that other lady to the ground. (laughs) Dang. But it is said that from that day on, they lived together in great prosperity and happiness. And forget about that other lady. (laughs) (laughs) She was already a rich queen. She can go home and be a rich queen. Yeah. And not deal with all this drama. I'll tell you what. So that was just a fun story, which again, Lots of motifs and themes that we have seen in so many episodes past. And that is the fun thing about uh, the amount of time that we've spent, like, doing all these different tales. Is that now it's so easy to, like, just, like, play spot the motif. (laughs) And just be like, oh, that reminds me of this story. That reminds me of this story. Or be like. What I love is when I will kind of half remember hearing a story and instead of just going back to the books that I know that they're in, because the books are in my house, I can go and, you know, read them if I want, or I can go and like listen to one of the like past episodes that we've done and relive some of the funness and the memories. Anyway, so now for a tale with a Baba Yaga, since this, you know, is this is an episode about Baba Yaga tales, even though this la- like the last one, very little Baba Yaga content. This next one has a little bit more Baba Yaga content. Uh, but once again, it comes with a name of the story that has nothing 
to do with basically the majority of the action of the story. It's called Prince Danila Govorila. I don't know if I pronounced that at all correctly. But anyway, the prince in this story is only like at the beginning and then like right at the end. But alas, these are the titles that we have to work with. I like how this one starts. There <laughs> once was an old princess. Which seems like, you know, you see kings, queens, beautiful young princesses. Not often is it an old princess. Yeah. In my recollection. Yeah. And this old princess, she had a son and a daughter, both of whom were, of course, handsome as can be. Obviously. But a wicked witch disliked them all. And this wicked witch was always thinking how she could lead them into evil ways and destroy them. <laughs> it's like that's all this, this evil witch is doing is she's plotting ways to destroy this happy little family. So one day, like a cunning little fox, it seems like specifically the children, actually. Mm -hmm. Like that she, she specifically disliked these children, which, you know. I think a lot of people can relate to that being like, wow, these children are just so annoying. Yeah. Sometimes kids. How can I lead them into evil ways and destroy them? Yeah. Very relatable. So <laughs> this evil witch comes to the mother and is like, oh, my little dove, she says, my little friend, my dear friend, here's a ring for you. I want you to put it on your son's finger. And with the help of this ring, he will always be healthy and wealthy. But. He must never, ever take it off, and he must marry only the maiden whom the ring fits. Which already, I'm like, that's a really complicated situation, because if, yeah. if he can never take it off. It's like, never doesn't mean never. You know? Yeah. Seems like. Because, like, how's he going to find a, if someone fits the ring if he can't take it off to try it on their fingers? Yeah. So, Which, spoiler alert, he absolutely does. Yeah. So I think it's, like, until that point. Yeah. Hmm. I guess. I don't know. It is a weird... It's a weird kind of complex. It's a weirdly worded spell, but I also yeah. am aware that you didn't write it. And so it's yeah. okay. So anyway, the old princess was, like, overjoyed. She's like, oh, wow, seeing this as, like, just a fantastic gift. So she was super happy. She did as the witch said, and she put the, the ring on her son's finger. And before the old princess died, she made her son promise that he would find a woman that the ring would fit and marry her. So time goes by, and this little son grows up, and he grows up to be a young man who begins to seek a bride and he would like a girl and then another, but he would always, you know, take off the ring and try it on. And for one, the ring was too big or it's too small. It never fit any of the girls that he liked, which, Aww. you know, sad for him. So he traveled all over through villages and cities, tried the ring on all the lovely maidens, but he couldn't find any that he could make his betrothed Aww. because the ring didn't fit anybody. So he returned home, quote, pensive, and sad. Aww. And so his sister comes up and she's like, oh, little brother, why are you crying? And the little brother is like, well, this stupid ring is making it impossible for me to get married because it doesn't fit anyone. 
And the sister's like, why is this ring causing so much trouble? Here, let me try it on. And she puts it on her finger. And the ring clasped it and began to gleam. It fitted her as though made to her size. Mm -hmm. Which is gross. (laughs) And even grosser is the fact that little brother gets pretty excited about this and is like, oh, you've been chosen for fate to be my wife. And the sister is like, what are you saying? Yeah, like, the only normal response uh, is for the brother to immediately throw up. Yeah, and, which and, he did not and do. And call his sister a gross cow. Yeah. That's Instead, what my super... brothers would have done. Just yeah, like, your brothers. Yeah, because my brothers are normal. They're good brothers. They're good brothers who would barf and tell me I look like a walrus. Yeah. This brother is a little too excited. And the sister is disgusted that her brother is so excited. He's like, think of God. Think of the sin. One does not marry one's own sister. But her brother did not listen. And he danced for joy and ordered preparations to be made for a wedding. And the sister appropriately burst into tears, ran out of the room and cried and cried and cried and cried. As I would, too, if I found out that I was going to be forced to marry my brother. Aren't real. And so, some old woman passed by and invited them in and offered them food and drink. And so, this old woman was like, hey, why are you so sad? And so, it was like, well, the, the sister was like, well, it's no use to hide it. So, she told everything. Yeah. And so, the old woman was like, okay, don't cry. Don't worry. Listen. Be happy. Here's what you need to do. Don't worry. Be happy. Sorry. I could whistle. I would do that. So the old one was like, don't, don't worry. Don't cry. Here's what you got to do. Listen to me. Make four little dolls and seat them in the four corners of the room. And when your brother calls you to go into your wedding, you should go. But when he asks you to come to the bridal chamber, don't go. Just delay, delay, delay as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And just put your hope in God. Bye. <laughs> it is like, okay, that was weird. But the old woman left. The brother wed his sister and went into the room. And then he said, Sister Catherine, come to the feather bed. <laughs> Sorry. And Sorry. this... <laughs> And the sister's like, oh, I'll come in a minute. Just let me remove my earrings. And the dolls in the four corners of the room cried like cuckoos. Cuckoo, Princess Danila. Cuckoo, Govorila. Cuckoo, he takes his sister. Cuckoo, for a wife. Cuckoo, earth open wide. Cuckoo, sister, fall inside. Which would creep me right out. (laughs) But what happens then is the earth began to open and the sister begins to fall in. And her brother cries to her again, Sister Catherine, come to the feather bed. And she's like, just a minute, brother. Let me unclasp my girdle. And the dolls cuckooed creepily again (laughs) with their same creepy cuckoo rhyming thing. And so the earth opens even more and only the sister's head is still above the ground. And the brother calls again. He's like, Sister Catherine, come to the feather bed. And she's like, oh, just a minute, brother. I have to take my slippers off. And the dolls cuckooed yet again. And she vanished all the way into the earth. And the brother called her again. And he called her again even louder. 
But still, she didn't come because she'd been swallowed into the earth. And so he ran into a room, banged at the door, and the door broke open. He looked everywhere, but his sister was nowhere to be found. All he could see were the dolls sitting in the corners of the room. And he heard them crying. Cuckoo. Their creepy rhyme. Earth, open wide, sister, fall inside. And so he grabbed an axe and cut off all their heads and threw them into the stove. Which, I mean, I would also do if there were these dolls that were just constantly cuckooing their Mm -hmm. creepy rhyme. So that's like the first understandable thing that this young man has done. Meanwhile, deep underground, the sister is walking and walking and walking until she comes upon a little hut set upon chicken legs. Mm-hmm. And the, the hut on chicken legs is like turning around in circles. And so she says to the little hut, she says, little hut, little hut. Stand the old way with your back to the woods and your front to me. And so then the hut stood still. And the door opened. So she was like commanding the, you know, the hut to like stop spinning around so I can get inside. Yeah. And it obeyed. As sentient huts with chicken legs sometimes do if you speak to them in rhymey commands. Mm, indeed. And so. What's interesting that we pointed out before is that like in The Witcher, they ended up using that rhyme inside of. The TV show, like The Witcher. And that was another thing in our, like, Vast Lisa the Beautiful episode. I mentioned that that poem or, like, that detail wasn't Mm -hmm. unique to The Witcher, but it was actually something taken from the lore. But then I was, I didn't, it wasn't shown in Vast Lisa. Right. And so, again, like, I promise these (laughs) these things do exist. It's fun now that we get to see it. Yeah. In the story that we're telling. Yeah. Even though it wasn't in the story in the episode that you first mentioned. Yeah. But we're bringing the receipts several years later. (laughs) So the sister goes inside, Sister Catherine, which saying it like that makes her sound like a nun. Catherine, (laughs) the sister, goes inside and she sees a lovely maiden embroidering a towel with silver and gold thread. And this lovely embroidering needleworking maiden received the sister very kindly and was like oh my little dove my heart is glad to see you and this sounds weird it's not as weird as it sounds when written but it's like i will welcome you and fondle you while my mother is out it's like i don't think that she means it as creepily fondling as yeah uh, her brother was planning to do before she got swallowed by the earth <laughs> yeah that's what i'm like <laughs> sometimes it word word choices like that makes me like wonder about like the translation stuff where i'm like Ooh, the direct the direct translation might have been the word fondle, but I, the connotations <laughs> that that word has now, not great. Yeah, not great. So anyway, what she's really basically saying is like, I will like you know treat you as a guest. I'll take good care of you while my mother's gone. But when my mom comes back, it's gonna be kind of a bit of trouble for the both of us because she, my mom she's kind of a witch, <laughs> but literally. <laughs> And so she's not the cool the, mom. <laughs> the sister, the guest, was frightened by these words, but she's like, I have nowhere else to go. So, yes. And she sits down, her hostess, this other woman, at the embroidery frame, and they embroider the towel together and they talk together, which is a lovely way to pass the time. After a short time, the hostess 
knew her mom was due to be home because she knew like about the time that it was. And so she turned the sister into a needle, thrust the needle into a broom, and then put the broom in the corner to hide her away. Seems like this girl might also be kind of a witch herself. <laughs> Maybe. Is she a good I don't witch know. or a bad witch? It remains to be seen. <laughs> and as soon as she puts the broom in the corner, the witch appears at the door and says, Oh, my beautiful daughter, I smell a Russian bone. <laughs> Which is like... An interesting uh, turn of phrase. Yeah, but, but like, I smelled a Russian person, human being <laughs> that was in this house. And like, it's pretty clear that what this witch wanted to do was eat a person that had come into her house. And so, you know, the witch's daughter's like, oh, mother, some people came by, but they were just thirsty, and so I gave them water. And the witch was like, why didn't you keep them? And the daughter's like, well, you know, they were old, and <laughs> I don't think you would have liked them. They would have, you know, they would have been really stringy. They yeah. would have gotten stuck in your teeth. You know, it wouldn't have been very tasty. Gross. <laughs> and so the witch was like pretty disappointed. She's like, okay. Anybody that comes to this house from now on, I want you to keep them here until I get back. But for now, I'm going to go and I'm going to get some booty. So the witch left for a booty call Mm -hmm. and the maiden sat back at the frame again. You know, the Catherine, the sister was turned back into her normal self and her and the witch's daughter started embroidering the towel and were talking and laughing together. And the witch came flying home again. And the witch said, oh, my good daughter, my lovely daughter, I smell a Russian bone again. And so the witch's daughter's like, oh, you know what? There was some little old men. They stopped by. They, you know, were just here to warm their hands. And I tried to keep them. I tried to make them stay, but they just wouldn't. They just left. But you don't want their Russian bone. It was old. No. No, exactly. <laughs> but the witch was hungry. And so she starts like, you know, kind of lecturing her daughter. I was like, no, you, if guests come, if anyone comes, you got to keep them here so I can eat them. And the witch flies away again. And so the sister, Catherine, this whole time had been, you know, sitting again, hiding away in the broom. And they brought her back out and they hastened to finish the embroidery of the towel. And while they were working, they were like talking more seriously now, probably less laughing. They're trying to figure out how they can escape from this wicked witch. And so they, you know, were starting to whisper and plot and they hardly had time to start their planning when the witch, talk of the devil and he will appear, stood in the doorway, catching them by surprise. So it's like, uh-oh. And the witch says, oh, my good daughter, my beautiful daughter, I smell a Russian bone. And then so the witch's daughter's like, oh, there, mom, look, here's a lovely maiden just for you. And so... The maiden, who is the sister Catherine, looks at the witch and she is just like terrified Mm. because standing before her, she recognizes Baba Yaga, the bony legged. Bum, bum, bum. And it describes her as saying, her nose hitting the ceiling. That's a long nose. Yeah. No, and it's one of those things that, um, like, often when they're describing the Baba Yaga, her, like, they'll either say, like, oh, her legs were in each corner and, like, her, like, nose was touching the ceiling and her head was to the, and she's called, like, the bony-legged one, but it, it kind of, like, 
shows how like massive and otherworldly she is. Instead of having yeah. a long nose, it's like that's how close she was to like the ceiling. Right. That makes sense. What I that is because I've heard that floated as like a theory, but like also maybe her nose is just long. So yeah. Mm-hmm. All of the above. Yeah. Well, anyway, why not both? Seeing, seeing this delicious maiden that has wandered into her house, she tells her daughter, go and make a hot fire in the stove so that she can cook and eat this lovely maiden that had come yum, their yum, way. Yum. And so they brought wood, specifically oak, oak and maple, which there's a detail. <laughs> and they made a fire and the fire starts, you know, blazing in the stove and the witch takes a shovel and starts to urge her guests. He's like, here, sit on the shovel. And so the sister sits on the, on the shovel and Baba Yaga starts pushing her towards the mouth of the stove. But, you know, the, the sister's like not wanting to be cooked alive. And so she puts like one leg on the stove and the other like uh, around it. And the, you know, Baba Yaga's trying to push her in and she's like resisting. Yeah. So she's not fitting in. And, and so Baba Yaga's like, Ugh, you don't know how to sit. Do it the right way. <laughs> and so the maiden's like, oh, sorry. And she like adjusts herself and like gets into a different yeah. like sitting position on the end of this, on the end of the shovel. And Baba Yaga starts like trying to shove her back into the stove again. But then this time she like puts another leg, you know, like on the, on the stove and one like, you know, inside of it to kind of like push her legs out so she doesn't fit in. Yeah. And Baba Yaga's like, oh, oh my God. Gosh, how you don't know how to sit. You must be playing tricks on me. She's I just, like, Here, I, look. I love the body comedy of like that, of just the like, like this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh then, sorry. Do you mean like sit like this? <laughs> it's like you're being stupid. Yeah. And it's like, and Baba Yaga expecting you, like, oh yeah, no, just sit like calmly on this shovel and let me th- throw you into the stove. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. And so Baba Yaga gets really mad. She's like, ugh, pulls her out. And she's like, no, 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 look, you're just playing tricks. I know you're being, like, obstinate. Here's <laughs> the way I want you to sit, just like this. And so she plops herself down onto the end of the sh- shovel and stretches out her legs nice and straight. And the two maidens quickly take the shovel and shove Baba Yaga into the stove, lock her in, cover the stove up with logs, plastered it, tarred the opening, and then ran away. Jeez. Taking the embroidered towel. And a brush and a comb with them. So they made very sure that the Baba Yaga would not escape. And so they ran and ran and ran. But they looked back and they saw the witch who had somehow gotten free, caught sight of them, and was hissing angrily after them. Like, hey, 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 what are you doing? Come back here. And so they were like, oh, no, what are we you know, supposed to do? And so what they did was threw down the brush. And when they threw down the brush, there appeared a marsh that was thickly overgrown mm. with reeds. Mm. And the witch couldn't crawl through this thick overgrown marsh, but she opened her claws and started plucking out a path like <laughs> shoo, 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 as she's cutting through this overgrown marsh. And they're like, oh man, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so the maidens threw down a comb. And when they threw down a comb, there appeared a dark and thick forest, so thick that not even a fly could fly through it, which that's, Pretty darn thick. Makes me wonder. I guess they threw the comb like behind them, between them and the Baba Yaga. Yeah. Because if a fly can't fly through it, two maidens can't run through it. That's for sure. Yeah. But the witch sharpened her teeth and set to work. <laughs> she chomped her teeth. And each time she like chomped down, she was grabbing a tree oh and like ripped it out of the ground by its roots and hurled it to the side and just did that over and over, like chomping these trees down with her sharpened dentures or whatever 
And so she's like clearing a path and she's getting closer and closer to these girls. And these girls ran and ran and ran until they couldn't run anymore. They'd lost all their strength and they fell to the floor. So they threw down the gold embroidered towel and there spread before them a sea that was wide and deep, not a sea of water, but a sea of fire. And Baba Yaga was soaring high and wanted to fly across the sea. But as she tried to fly across it, she couldn't and she fell into the fire and was burned. And so the maidens were safe, but alone and kind of homeless, not knowing where (laughs) they should go now. And so they sat down to rest. And as they did, uh, they were sitting down for a little while. A servant came up to them and was like, "Uh, hey, who are you? And the servant then reported back to his master that, hey, I found not just two lost little birds, but two marvelous beauties. And they look exactly like one another. They have the same brows, the same eyes. And the servant says to his master, one of them must surely be your sister, but I can't tell which of the two that it is, and it's impossible to guess. (laughs) And so the master, the brother, who desperately wants to marry his sister, goes down to see them and invites them back to his home. And he saw that his sister was obviously there, but he couldn't tell which of the two his sister was. And he was like, wow, my servant was telling the truth. That's kind of surprising. But the sister was angry and still not wanting to marry her brother. Yeah. Would not give herself up as which one, you know, of the two that she was. Yeah. Wise move. And so the servant's like, here's what we're going to do. We'll figure it out. Plotting in private with the brother. He says, I'm going to go and get a sheep's bladder and I'm going to fill it with blood. And what I want you to do is put it under your arm and you're going to go in there and you're going to start speaking to your guests. And then I'm going to come in there and I'm going to stab you with a knife, but not really stab you. (laughs) Stab the bladder that you're holding under your arm Come with this elaborate like play acting and the blood is going to start flowing and your your sister will be so upset to see you stabbed right in front of her <laughs> and bleeding out on the floor that she'll reveal herself. Oh my god. And gosh. so the brothers like, "Great plan." And so they go and do just, exactly like that. I just like imagine these like frat bros just being like, "I've got a great plan." I know what we'll do. Fill a sheep bladder with blood, blood and, and I'm going to stab bro, you. I'm going to come in and I'm going to stab you. It's like, it's like, why? This is a foolproof plan. I love it. It's like, perfect. Good for you. Always friends like these, man. Friends like these. Yeah. Well, they follow that plan to a T. Yeah. And it works. The servant runs in, stabs his master in the side, and the blood starts falling out. The brother doing his best acting as he can, falls to the floor. And the sister rushes over to him and she's like, oh no, my brother, my my dearest brother. And the brother jumps up safe and sound and he's like, ha, I knew it was you. And he grabs his sister and gives her a big hug and then marries her off to a good man that is not him. Thank goodness. And he himself marries her friend, the maiden that had come with her. And since she was pretty much an exact twin of his sister. The ring fit on her finger just as well as it did on the sisters. And they all lived happily ever after. And it literally says that. It it actually ends that way. It actually says that. And all of them lived happily forever 
after. Which is incredible. A quick little note, by the way, on this story. So a lot of people equate Baba Yaga with Russia and like exclusively Russian like tales. But Baba Yaga is a Slavic character. And so she appears all over different all over different Slavic countries and their folktales. And she, the Baba Yaga belongs to all of them. And one thing that I found particularly interesting in this story is how when this girl gets to Baba Yaga's house, there's that one girl that's like sitting and embroidering and they're all sitting and embroidering together. And something that I recently learned about like Ukrainians and clothing items, like traditional clothing items, and also like kind of like household shawls that you wear on you or tablecloths, table runners, blankets, sheets for your bed, pillowcases, things like that. Uh. When they embroider them, they're embroidering them usually with, I want to use the word spells, but that's not necessarily how they imagine it. It's more as like it it turns that item into something with like talismanic qualities that once you've embroidered certain patterns, traditional patterns onto that item, it can protect a person from harm and bring good luck. Um, sometimes also there are patterns that are really like for fertility or for strength. And so items that have these embroidered symbols on them will be given during like special occasions to people like at weddings, holidays, funerals, even um, births of children. And so it's really interesting to me that, you know, these girls are sitting and they're embroidering. And as they're sitting and embroidering and getting to know each other and like their friendship is growing, they also use an embroidered towel that they had worked on together mm. to throw back behind them to save them from Baba Yaga. Yeah. And it's like, it's one of those things where if you take this story kind of out of the area that it's from, you might uh-huh. see rewritings of this story. Cause I know I've seen rewritings um, of stories similar to this. And usually, you know, it's like, Oh, they'll throw a mirror behind them, a comb and, you know, maybe like a a scarf. Yeah. But if you take the embroidery off of the scarf, suddenly it's not like a talismanic item anymore. It's just right. a scarf. And so like the embroidery is a detail that's in the story that's important to the story itself. So hopefully everybody enjoyed our special Winter Divinations Baba Yaga episode. I'm glad that anytime we get to revisit Baba Yaga, just because like her stories can be so wildly different from each other, whether it is, you know, like in mine, where you see Baba Yaga as this like helpful, kindly grandmother woman. And then in other tales, She is this creepy witch in the woods out to get little girls. And so I just, I love how different dynamic of like a character she is. I love that, you know, we've even been able to like kind of 
see similar type characters in like Japan. Mm-hmm. And again, I absolutely love as we go through just like simple tales like these, not full episodes that are devoted to like, you know, kind of a, a bigger lesson or a bigger history moment, but just looking at these tales, we can start seeing how different motifs get used in different places and just retell silly stories and get to enjoy men filling up a sheep's bladder with blood and having each other <laughs> in some crazy satirical way to, you know, out their sister. Thank you for listening to The Fairy Tellers. If you enjoy what we're doing, please leave us a review or share us with your friends. Also consider supporting us on Patreon for access to exclusive bonus content, including outtakes and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash thefairytellers. Special thanks to Andrew Foray for our music and to Clarice Inge for our artwork. And of course, a big thank you to all our patrons. Without all of you, this show wouldn't be possible. Fairy tales are always more interesting when something is added to them. Each new telling recharges the narrative, making it crackle and hiss with cultural energy. Maria Tatar You want us to finish recording a podcast before I tell you the story of this man's little wiener? I do.